To Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the online magazine, and deeper into the stories. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and I'm excited to announce that this podcast is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcast, connecting music, music fans with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Check out OsirisPod.com. For more great podcasts, and you'll hear more about Osiris at the end of the episode. And um, and trust me, you'll be you'll be hearing a lot uh, about this affiliation with Osiris that um, across the margin has forged. Uh, I'm really excited about this. There's a whole bunch of great podcasts over there that not, we're now a part of, and and uh, I'll, I'll be sharing those and just talking about it a whole bunch more. It's 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 something that's just getting off the ground, and and we're real real excited to be a part of. So. Um, but before we really dive into what we're here to uh, discuss today, um, I kind of have to start on a bit of a somber note and, uh, and, and, and also and hopefully celebrate uh, the life of one Patrick J. Dalton, who was part of Across the Margins family, uh, a writer um, who, who we've shared his work and we've gotten to know real well, who, who passed recently and um, kind of shook us up over here a little bit. Uh, you can even hear Patrick. He's been on this podcast before. He was on um, episode 11. He read one of his stories. It's called Living Remnant, uh, which is just an awesome piece of work. And uh, he recently sat in on episode 37. And, um, you know, he's it's it, it's it's you know, we're struggling to to it just happened so fast and we're struggling to get our head around it. I do want to share something I wrote. I kind of let you know a little bit. uh about Patrick. Um, here it goes. I met Patrick J. Dalton when he participated in an across-the-margin work, writing workshop entitled Writing Your Truth. Safe to say I, I hadn't met anyone like Patrick at that point in my life, and it's equally safe to say that I never will again. I'm not sure entirely just why, as common perception wouldn't pair us together as friends, but we were drawn to each other immediately and we decided promptly that we wanted to work together. For reasons also unbeknownst to me, Patrick trusted me at once and entirely with his words, his thoughts, and ideas, and the bountiful jaw-dropping stories of his sordid past. In utter contrast to his tough and shrewd facade, Patrick was as warm and generous and exceedingly kind as they come. And although in the scheme of all things, our time together as friends and collaborators was reasonably brief, the impact he left on my life and on my worldview was momentous. Selfless as anyone I've met, Patrick was always equipped with gifts every time we would get together. Discovering I had an obsession with most F, Patrick surprised me one day with a framed print of the 
incomparable MC clutching his famed custom-painted red Super 5-5 Sherm mic. After a discussion about the Beastie Boys, Patrick presented me with an illustration of a young Adam Yauk sitting on a skateboard and looking hard as hell, both hang upon my walls of, of my office as I, as I write this, and will forevermore. Learning the fact that I hadn't yet read uh, Louis Maestro's The Sound of Building Coffins, Patrick, utterly appalled, immediately shared with, with me his own copy, signed by Maestro's, of course. Our shared fascination with Robert W. Chambers landed me uh, the King in Yellow t-shirt, which, unquestionably, is the most comfortable I own and the first year, shirt I wear out of the laundry. Patrick's profound generosity waited far outside the realms of mere materialistic objects. Finding out I was soon to be between homes for a spell, he not only made calls to those in his world that he knew had available space, he extended to me an open invitation to stay in his writing-slash-music studio. It's yours, he said, as long as you need it. When I shared with him I was going through some tough times personally, he aggressively offered me his ear. I'm here, he would, he would, sternly, he would say sternly and earnestly. Use me. Patrick profoundly defined himself by his fatherhood. First and foremost, I'm the proud and imperfect father of a six-year-old boy named Kaya. One of his author bios once read, a, self, a self-proclaimed father of an autistic wonder, Patrick talked about his son nonstop. His affection was so present in his fiery admonishments of those who came between his son and the care and attention he demanded. Patrick would have run through a brick wall for his son, and in many ways, in fighting for the rights of his, of his autistic son, he did that daily. God help anyone who fucked in any way with any of Kyan's needs. Patrick's love and dedication to his son was unmatched and entirely inspiring. In May of last year, Patrick accompanied me to my first Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds concert at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. Demanding that I dress for the occasion, suits, Mike, were wearing suits, he texted me the morning of the concert. Patrick's un- uh, uncompromising request was made wholly out of a deep-seated respect for the artist. And at night's end, I was still left wondering who was better dressed that evening, Patrick or the always dapper cave. While my mind progressively was blown to pieces and my entire being bewitched by the snake-charming-esque charisma of Cave and his hypnotic charm, Patrick stood almost hauntingly still the entire show, an immutable ear-to-ear smile drawn across his face. King's was Patrick's temple that evening, and Cave perpetually his preacher. I've never seen Patrick in the short amount of time that I knew him as happy as he was that evening. And never knew that he, ever complicated and reflective, could be so content. That night at King's Theatre, he was altogether at peace and right where he wanted to be. It was a sight to see. I became obsessed quickly with Patrick's writing after the workshop where we met. There was something about it, a certain je ne sais quoi I could never put my finger on. He contributed articles and stories to across the margin from time to time. And at every point... At every opportunity, I would remind him that our door was always open for more. His writing was so raw and stylized in a way I'd yet to come upon, and always honest as fuck. He wore it it all on his sleeve when he wrote, every bit of him. Patrick and I were, sluggishly but assuredly, working on a book together. He in the role of writer and illustrator, and I as its editor. The model for the book was Gris Grimley's Frankenstein which is telling to just the type of fiendish narrative Patrick had in mind. 
All the characters in the story were based on people in Patrick's life. A grouping of them were friends of Patrick that had passed away, hurt and lost being a steady companion throughout his life. Other characters were based on people Patrick had fallen out with, an opportunity to make amends, I always assumed, or to come to grips with the fra fracture in some way. And some of the characters were based on artists that had affected Pat Patrick deeply. Tom, Tom Waits, Shane McGowan, and the aforementioned Nick Cave, to name a few. He was set to put his entire being into this one. I read, I read the intro to his intended story often. It truly was set to be a beast of a tale. It began, two paces at a time. The sound of the thick canvas grinding along the stone floor echoed around the two men in the co corridor. Well, three if you counted the man of the hour, the quiet one. With that, he was off, continuing to set an airy stage for the actors of his play to tread upon. Knowing intimately a smattering of Patrick's other work, the sto story was assured to be ugly, authentic, and pure torture for all the hapless souls muddled contemporaneously in his wicked narrative. On multiple occasions, while meeting to discuss the project, Patrick would speak of the invisible dark matter underlying galaxies that, together with dark energy, accounted for at least 90% of the universe's total energy and mass. He wanted this knowledge somehow to influence or be a part of the story, although I will admit to never fully comprehending how, but assuredly, but assuredly there was a storm brewing. One day, Patrick showed up to my home, bearing gifts once again. This time, what he had in tow was a bottle of Irish whiskey. Teeling spirit of doubling poitin. This is the stuff, he told me. That bottle, as tempting as it, as it was right then and there, wasn't for consumption that evening. But rather, it was to be a symbol for us. That bottle, we decided, would mark the finish line for when we completed our project together. When the book was published, Patrick, that bottle and myself were going to have a raucous night. Since that day, the bottle has sat on my desk, staring me down, propelling me and the project forward. I'm not sure of the future in store for that bottle, but for now it sits with me. Another reminder of Patrick's mammoth heart, his talents, his spirit, and of the times we shared together that impacted me immensely. Um... So I think Patrick would be really excited to have this uh, this episode dedicated to him um, because some of the themes and ideas that we speak of are are things that me and him talked about. We would get deep sometimes. So this episode is uh, it's 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 a great one. It's 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 I've always we have George Gadotti on and I love when he comes in and and talks to us. We've done two episodes before um, in episode 24. He came in and we. We entitled that "Attack the Fed," where we kind of discussed the um, the, the Federal Reserves and a lot of the uh, shenanigans behind that. That's an excellent episode. In episode thirty-five, um, we talked about Sebastian Younger's book uh, "Tribe." And that's what we do. Me and George, we always we always pick a book and and, and you know get deep on it and, and just kind of break it down and kind of acts as a launching pad for our conversation. So today we we chose George chose, and we'll we'll talk about why. Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth, um, and it's just such an incredible read, and, and you know, it's, it, it touches on so many things that, that the brilliant Joseph, Joseph Campbell explored throughout his entire career, and, and so it, it, we get into why myths and stories are so important, and what they can tell us about ourselves, and, 
we talk about nature and, you know, humans connection to it and, you know, how, how that is depicted throughout time in, in, in stories and what that means. And, you know, we talk about means to make spiritual experiences happen. We talk about the hero's journey, which Campbell talks about a lot. Um, we get it, we get into a lot and we get personal at times as, as we do. And then it's a great deep dive into this book. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's a, a tribute to the book as well. So, uh, let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with George Gaddafi. George, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Thank you for having me. It's a thrill to have you. As a, as you know, obviously, your third time guest, you're one of my uh, favorite guests to have and favorite people to talk to, period. So, so thanks, for, thanks for coming up from Philly once again. Hey, thank you so much just for having me as always. Um, so as we, you and I, have been accustomed to, we center our discussions around um, books that we find inspiring or enlightening. And um, for today's podcast, uh, we de- we're going to delve into Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth. Um, it's a book that features... Uh, it's, well, it's based on the 1988 PBS documentary, Joseph Campbell and the Power of Myth, which featured conversations between Joseph Campbell and journalist um, Bill Moyers. Um, and to kick things off, this time we do go back and forth on this. Uh, this time you chose which book we were doing um, and centering our conversation around. And, and let's start by, I, I want to know, why why did you choose the Power of Myth? Um curiosity like I learned about the book from Mike Bishop Mm -hmm. so he's probably you know friend of the podcast friend of the podcast you know a brother um, to us exactly and um, him and I have a a deep connection going back shoulder to shoulder at a ton of fish shows Mm -hmm. talking about myth and transcendence Mm -hmm. and all that has been probably one of our favorite things to talk about when we get into the weeds of a conversation um, so he brought this book to my mind a while ago, and then I would, you know, YouTube bits of Joseph Campbell, and then been wanting to read this book, and then really we decided to talk about it during the podcast yeah. and trying to come up with a book. Um, we just came off of Tribe by Sebastian Younger, yes. yep. um, and, and that takes us back to the roots of cultural, social development, social responsibility, roles. Um, and this book is kind of like that, but on a bigger, grander scheme of things yeah. where it's, you know, the story of the myth, uh, of the myths, um, and really Joseph Campbell's interpretation um, of those myths. Um, and just a little bit about the one thing I want to say about this book, The Power of Myth, and on the bottom of it, and it has a black cover, it says with Joseph Campbell, or excuse me, with Bill Moyers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I even when I called the library to see if they had it, they're like, "Yeah, well, we have a DVD," and I'm, well, you know, I'm like, "Is that the audio?" But there's a, there's a PBS audio I'm that you so can excited. find. Basically, this is the transcription of that. Yeah, that edited by Betty Sue Flowers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so we're reading the 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 conversation, the PBS conversation edited by I Betty can't Sue wait Flowers. To that now. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. To so yeah. Because it is. It started for a lot of people as you know watching back. But I mean, yep. for us, it's coming off the page here, and um, you know, it's so inspiring. And I'm, I'm so glad I've never read this before, and it's something I've, yeah, I, I'm going to lay off the Star Wars talk. But Joseph Campbell, uh, you know, his he's, he inspired so much of what George Lucas did, and towards the end of this uh, uh, book, they they do get into that and power of that. We won't go too deep into that. I'll get way too nerdy for this conversation. But I would say that the main theme of the book is the universal. 
of myths, uh, what Campbell describes as mankind's one great story. Um, he digs into how, how the, the stories and legends that are passed down from generation to generation have recurring themes and, and throughout all different cultures and throughout all of time. And, and, and I was curious, did you find it surprising? Because I, I did, definitely, how, how much of an interconnectivity of themes uh, were that Campbell kept pointing out. Yeah, the parallels across like the five main world religions, <clears throat> yeah. and then even non-considered main world religions, Native, Native, Native American Americans, stories, everything far, you know, tales from the Far East. Yeah, I was surprised to the degree of similarities um, that yeah were drawn across every religion because I've never read anything other than the um, the King James version of the Roman Catholic yeah. Bible. That's the only thing I've read cover to cover. I haven't read the Quran or anything else or even looked into them at all. Definitely. So. No, and, and it's, I mean, I guess, and I, I'm going to delve into this more as we, we, we move on, but I mean, something about that universality of, uh, of myths, it really makes you think about the human experience and how, how, you know, we're kind of all going through a similar thing. And that's one thing, so we should kind of start by talking about why myths, you know, because why, what was so important, what inspired him so much about myths, because he described myths as clues to the spiritual potentiality of human life, uh, meaning what we are capable of knowing and experiencing life. And so I've said experiencing a couple of times because Campbell wasn't really speaking to uh, find the meaning of life. Um, I, I, I would assume that's kind of a fool's errand. That's my words, not his. But, uh, but to unravel the experience of being alive. That's yeah. like, that was his point. How cool is that? I thought it was amazing. And even when you were talking about, you know, when you talk about the meaning of life, as you were just talking, I wrote down experience versus the meaning of life. Yeah. Um, the the meaning, what's the meaning of life comes out. Like my, a pet peeve of mine is when people burp around me and like just like <laughs> sloppily burp around me. And I'm like, you know, to say what's the meaning of life is almost like a burp of a comment. Sure, like, sure. Who <laughs> fucking cares? You know, yeah. it's the experience that we're after and to really soak in the the pain and the joy of every experience um you know in everything that you do we're so lucky to be here and alive mm -hmm. um so i think you know the the power of myth for me is <clears throat> almost removing the buildings and everything and just having people walking around the earth again and then when it gets dark you look at the stars and stories come from the sky and, and when you get hungry, you, you kill a buffalo and a, a story in life comes from the buffalo. Um, and, you know, even if things is fundamental with the one touching on religion with, with burying people um, is putting them back into Mother Earth so that they can live again and rise yeah. again and be, be rebirth almost like we're seeding that. Um, yeah, I, I went off on a little tangent there. But, no, please. That's, what, um, that's why I yeah, yeah. here. But these, I mean, these myths, they are... You know, and as he discussed about, they're so important to us, to us coming to understanding with a lot of our own experience. These stories tell us so much about ourselves, and and you know, it just he really he really emphasizes reading other people's myths, not just you know a lot of people who are Roman Catholic are reading this Bible, or you know, it's each each religion has their own uh, you know it set of rules and understandings it goes to, but. If you read other people's people's um, you know it, it's stories, you, you get all you kind of get the whole idea of the whole message is kind of what he was getting at, and you get to know other people's experiences and and just the idea of how important sharing myths is to to younger generations because it's 
I think Moyer asked the question at one point. He says, I wonder what happens to children who didn't have have those, he says, those fixed stars. I know you just mentioned stars. and To know those horizons, know those myths. And I thought about that and just just the loss of it. Do you, I kind of, if I may ask a personal question too, because I, you know, I think of all the stories that meant so much to me as a youth, and I try to pass those stories down. You have a, you have a son, you have, you have two children. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you take that as something that you want to share? Are there myths you want to share? Stories that you pass down? Yeah, I mean, I want to move my family onto a commune and live like a hippie family, you know, but... <laughs> I will uh, be very, it's a, you know, and I've said it in previous podcasts, my mom always made my life magical and I'll always say that. Yeah. She was like my I always find that so Indian. Cool. Yeah, so, you know, if the, you know, the um, lightning bugs were lighting up the backyard in the summer, we shut down the lights of the house and we all went outside and mm-hmm. um, I do that with my kids where I say, look up at the stars, you know, and um, even the constellations, like pay attention to the three stars of Orion's belt you know the that, that we see moving across the sky and then in one of um campbell's works he talks he relates those three stars of orion's belt to the the three wise men and then you can really start to break these myths out of the cement of the religious experience that i was growing up on i was growing up in in uh, roman catholic schools with nuns and priests and brothers <clears throat> but as i'm getting older i can kind of break you know i'm realizing that a lot i that, that those aren't the stories and the maps of our existence and why we got here today. It's really more in the myths beyond that. So yeah. I, I will go out of my way to put that into my kids' minds. Absolutely. As you mentioned your Roman Catholic upbringing and just while you mentioned that, uh, I do want to continue a little bit with more why uh, myths are so important, but um, I had a Roman Catholic upbringing and this helped me reconcile with some of it because, you know, a lot of, a lot of it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so far attached to it. Never took in, in a lot a lot of ways that, that I'm <laughs> frankly proud of. But uh, but there, he did mention a lot just how the myths you're growing up and you know myths are so important to to Catholicism. So you do get to understand what you know how stories matter and, and that there's symbolism and you know it, it's just there's even points where he was talking about um, you know Jesus's true message, which has obviously gotten you know, mixed up and manipulated a lot, just, you know, how to do onto others. And just, I started thinking about how cool some of the religion that I've learned was, you know, that I've just kind of pushed off so many yeah. ways. And, and, and that was cool for me. Yeah, I mean, the, um, I, uh, what we learned, you know, re- talking about religion's a tough one. I'll, I'll tell you a cool story, though, that I learned um, listening to, a, you know, one of Duncan Trussell's podcasts, but he was talking, <clears throat> the CEO of Wired Magazine um, is now a reborn Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Wired Magazine, and he talks about how, you know, he sees, you know, if, if once you build a universe, you know, be it an electronic universe as a, as a programmer or a software engineer, um, the, the one thing that you have to do at the end to see it all through is to put yourself into the game. Um, so uh, Jesus was God's example of putting Himself into, into the, the game, game. Oh, cool. you know, to play the rules like and then ultimately die. Yeah. Um, to have it, to have that, that that mortal experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's like you know the, that that guy's thing, and I thought was really cool. So yeah, I'm not as angry as I used to be. Uh, I'm not angry at all um, at 
the church anymore. There are things that upset me. There are things that I think are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's just it's too obvious to me at this point that that is a very narrow minded route for me. Yeah. If it works for you, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I've seen and, I've seen what it can do. Yeah. And there's such community there. I mean, that's something I thought about so much after our tribe discussion. Yeah. It's just the power that they do have in in that community and. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a support system for a lot of people, absolutely. you know, I, yeah. It, yeah it, and even Campbell says, you know, he, at some point in this book, he was like, well, if maybe you do have to only focus on one thing and then take it and just keep going deeper with it, but get into the roots of it and really understand the language behind it. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm, I, I'm a little bit more like Campbell where I kind of want to see across all, absolutely. you know, um, religious examples and the roots of those yeah, examples. I, I definitely, I'm excited. We're going to talk about nature here in a little bit and just a bigger worldview. But, um, I love how Campbell, he didn't see myths and stories as a personal people, person's dreams. You know, like a lot of people would think that if someone who wrote a myth, that's just their dream, but he saw it as, as the world's dream. It's, it's, and, and just like these stories, this is all of our story in one. And, and how they can bring us to, and he just loved how they could bring us to a level of consciousness that is spiritual. He talks about a lot, and we will too as we move on, I'm sure, about getting to that spiritual. Um, about consciousness, though, I love, at one point, he said, and it's, it's a, a paragraph, of, actually, I'm going I'm to read this part, but uh, the quote was, I have a feeling that consciousness and energy are the same thing somehow. Let me, page 18, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this, is, this is too cool for me. Um, I have a feeling that consciousness and energy are the same thing somehow. Where you really see life's energy, there's consciousness. Certainly the vegetable world is conscious. And when you live in the woods, as I did as a kid, you can see all these different consciousness relating to themselves. How cool is that? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I thought I just, I was, I was floored by that. And just, that, it's, that's. I mean, you know. you, we, we've all had experiences where, you know, that, you know, in nature, if you sit there for a while, um, or have the right cocktail that everything has meaning and, and a rock is holding down what's underneath of it and, you know, blades of grass feel new for the first time. And, you know, I, um, even when I was little, I remember being in the woods once and I grew up on the woods. Like, um, I remember thinking that there's no way that the trees weren't watching me. Yeah. Like, and I've been convinced of that my whole life. Sure. Even when I finally saw Avatar, I was like, well, of course. Yeah. Basically. You know, we're, we're drawing everything from, from the tree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's always been consciousness in all of the world to me, um, e- even as just like a little kid, think knowing that I wasn't alone in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that, I feel very comfortable deep in the woods. Yeah, yeah. I, I think believing in the consciousness or the, the life spirit of, of, you know, nature is, it makes, makes so much sense to me. Yeah, it's I, don't, I don't even understand. It makes so much sense to me. I don't understand the other viewpoint as a utilitarian and, and, and we have a lot to talk about. With yeah, nature, I agree. But yeah. One more point I need to make about, um, why myths that I loved and that just, he, he actually listed, he, I think there was four functions of, of, of myths and, uh, I don't, I, I can't think of all four, but the, the first function of myth that he talked about was realizing what a wonder the universe is and what a wonder we are and experience the awe before this mystery. That's just, I mean, wow. That's, it's, the function of myth is basically to say, wow. Yeah. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is <laughs> wild that we're here, the, the divinity in you. Yeah. Towards the end of this book, you know, 
you know, uh, Joseph and Bill are talking to each other. And he's saying, I see the divinity in you. Yeah. Here you are asking me these questions yes. about the most important things in the world to me. Um, and I just think that that, like, I, I see it in you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you were at intermission with just one of your buddies at a fish show, um, and you have that deep intermission experience with one other <laughs> friend, you see that swirling energy and yeah. the muscles in their face and, <laughs> Um, and it is magical to be here, dropped on the planet, to experience as much as possible, which is <clears throat> why well, just as I've gotten older, I, you know, I, I like these myths and ways to, to stop focusing on the stress of life mm-hmm. um, instead of just kind of the glory of it all and how magical it yeah. is to be here and experience every day. You well, know? I mean, yeah, you talked about, I, I just love that line, what, you know how amazing it is to be anything at all. It's it's I don't it's in a neutral milk hotel song which I love and I don't know if he sourced it from Campbell. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, at all. really. Um, but you mentioned sorrow and just like that that is part of the experience. That's part of the wow for him. And there were some parts that I actually found a little depressing and dark too. And and um, you know there there's lines where he's talking about whatever you know you do is evil for somebody. You are you know just by being alive you are in participation of evil and like there's some of these things that even he even goes back to what is it the the first buddhist saying is all life is sorrowful and he, he's quoting um uh james joyce at a point saying history is a nightmare which i'm trying to awake from and yeah. there's some darkness there and but he was he is trying to kind of come to the point that 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 sorrow is is, is that hurts part of this experience yeah you have i, I mean so much beauty comes from so much pain, you know. Yeah. Um, the fact that it is finite. An artist, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, Elliot Smith's music is oh, just the most painful, my, my God. Yeah. Um, you, you, and, but when you think about uh, the experience of pain, and, and I don't know a whole lot about the Elocinarian Mysteries, yeah. and, and you, everybody should Google it, but <clears throat> I know that when I go to a fish show, um, and I just recently posted a meme that said no talking at fish shows <laughs> and it upset people. And, and so there's a lot of kids these days that think you should be able to talk at a fish show. Um, I don't, I don't think you should be able to sing either, but you know, um, <laughs> the, the reason is because I'm going to a fish show. It's sacramental for me. You see, you see that with, concert hall or that experience. Yeah. The temple. I know that I, I know the temple's coming. I know I have a first set intermission to really get there and then a second set to open up. And if somebody's going to be, you know, it, they should be whispering. Uh, well, getting scared was a big part of that. So like you want to get scared at a fish show. I did. I yeah. think that you did. You, yeah, Cause you got to get yeah. scared. Cause then there's the point in the show where you there's relief. usually get saved, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, and that feeling situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that feeling when you come back and you get saved, I have some of the most unbelievable stories from just diving in. Yeah. Um, and you know, not getting ahead to the hero's journey, but when you come back from that and tell mm-hmm. a story about, that's the you know, enlightenment. That's it, yeah. The and one experience I had yeah. where it, like, I, I felt like it, I was in a, a point in a realm of uh, life's energy, but it was speaking to me as mm-hmm. it was consciousness. Mm-hmm. It was telling me that I worry too much. It was yeah. this purpley, yeah. you know, it was this, you know, how can I put words to it? But yeah. um, I wouldn't have gotten there. If I didn't go through the woods of 
what I had that to during that specific show. So then I was always trying to recreate mm-hmm. it. And I think that there's a little bit of that in the Elucinary mystery. Chasing that purple. So, exactly. <laughs> purple yeah. Just, thing. yeah. That I mean, that like, was, that was deep. That is like the hero's journey yeah. though. Like it's, and I, I've never done like an ayahuasca or anything like that, but, uh, Either have I. uh but like there, there is like a breaking down, like the trials that they talk about in the hero's journey to get into that point of finding some enlightenment and all. But I mean, definitely, you know, that, 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 coming to grips with, with sorrow and some sort of darkness and the pain and and I it's that's I'm still getting my head around a lot of Well lot, even if you're just in in your visions mm-hmm. which I have been, I was being surrounded by snakes. Yeah. I never thought of snakes. That was the first time an archetype flowed through my mind without me even this is ninety seven or ninety eight, mm-hmm. like at a show at the garden. Mm-hmm. But I just had to surrender to the snakes that were wrapping around me <laughs> and just knew I was going deeper than I ever had and um, I like that. And the, the, the music brought, yeah, I, I did get terrified, but, but you but, have but to like, you have to surrender. Yeah, you leave, you um, yeah. So you need to, you know, yeah. I mean, close to death is where you're going to find the untold stories. Yeah. You know? I mean, he does, he talks about how pain is a part of, uh, being, being in the world at all. And I don't, I guess I struggle with it. It's a lot of it. A lot of it seemed to me to be about acceptance of death as part of the experience. And I, 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 I do struggle with that. I guess I know some people who aren't, like have already come to grips and they're not that terrified of dying at, at all and and I I still and I, I almost feel weak because I'm not there yet and it's 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 something I you know and I guess that's what it was it, like it goes back to what he was talking about with all that wonder and stuff there's so much I still find so much joy and so much beauty in the world and I just, I just want to be here still yeah that's that's yeah. What, that's, I, yeah. that's what I'm scared about not being here still to experience that but I just want I just I also do want to come to some acceptance of that and figure out how to more fully just, just soak in this experience without being fit. But like, I think there's some balance there because you do need, you know, he talks about it as being like that, like that suffering, that knowing that there's death as being like, it's that's the defining fear that brings us all together. In a way. Yeah, nobody's getting out of this thing. Nobody's <laughs> not alive. <laughs> not not a chance. There's one other thing I I thought he found. Uh, I was real shocked about. Um, he doesn't believe uh, that their life exists. Did, did you catch this? I think it was early in the book that life exists uh, anywhere else in the universe. Yeah, it's. Let me I, I keep going. Yeah, see if you can find it because I remember when he oh, talks shot. outside the universe. I mean, this guy is deep. Yes. Um, so hanging on to every well, word, I may not have. But well, what he was talking about is how crazy it is that there's life here, and that's absolutely the possibility of life being here yeah, is so slim. When it's you realize insane. that if the temperature goes up 50 degrees and stay there, life will not exist on this earth, and that if it drops, let's say another 100 degrees and stay there, life will not be on this earth. When you realize how very delicate this balance is, how the quantity of water is so important. Well, when you think of all the accidents of the environment that that have fostered life, how can you think that the life we know would exist on any other particle of the universe, no matter how many of these satellites around the stars there may be? I mean, that the fact that he he just is like this is so accidental, it can't happen. Yeah, elsewhere. I think, and that could have been him. You know, sometimes when I think about the way he's talking, getting us to understand how magical it is that we're that here. We're alive. Yeah, totally. It's and not. It's not just saying that. The, see, because I, as he's talking about how finite a chance this is, I actually when I look up, I I, I see infinite possibilities that it yeah. can happen like I do I'm, I, I I differ from that point of view but I like the way you took it he's just trying to say this is magical yeah 
And I, I, I feel you. I, I see that. Even when I came over the Verrazano Bridge into Brooklyn, like yeah. I'm looking out on the ocean. I'm like, man, it just opens up yeah. there. On a day like this, it's another, our last podcast was a beautiful day in November. Yeah, now right. it's a beautiful we're, day in March. We're, we're, you know, we're, it's we're, like we're, the same weather. Absolutely. We're getting um, lucky. I always say, I know that view you're talking about coming over the Verrazano. I, um, I say sometimes that like if I, if when I'm traveling and I come back to New York and I'm not awed by the skyline because I always am continually. Every it's so time. romantic. I, uh, so romantic. Yeah. If I say if I'm coming back one time and I'm not. I gotta fucking move. Yeah, it's like, time to get it. out of here. That's yeah, if, it, if it's not gonna like be like, wow. I'm sorry, I thought I heard buzzing. Nope, cool. We got. Um, let's go on to nature. Man. Oh, but I wanted to, to say that, uh, no, just you, to share one thing that I'm not scared of dying. Oh, just the heater. Cool. Yeah, just your heater. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not scared of dying so uh, much because I just when it happens, I, I just imagine I'll surrender. Hopefully, it's not a slow process. But yeah, I, I'm like you. I have so much experience that I want to have here. And I'm like, oh man, I got to raise my kids and get back to where I'm just with my wife and, you know, and, and regain control of my life. But, but at the same time, I also understand, even as I'm saying it, the value of every day. Like yeah, I don't want to hate Mondays Yeah, yeah um, because every <laughs> day that I'm so alive, and I'm so of, lucky. I'm so lucky. It's finite, you know, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, and maybe people, when you talk about the yin and the yang and the polarities and dualities, yeah, they get um, deep you know, into that in this book. yeah, it's, I, it's, it's I gotta, I gotta enjoy it today because yeah. it might not be tomorrow. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. dangling that's, I, in front of me. That's the take home. And that's, 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 well, I don't know. That's, I gotta come to grips with the whole thing. And yeah. I do. It's, it's something, I guess that fear does make, make, you know, all these experiences that I value so much matter. I, you know what, Campbell, when he wrote this, I don't know much about the man, but he was at a different point in life. In, uh, you know, he was an older gentleman than, yep. than I am now. And I, he did mention it a couple of times that, that there's been so much loss in his life. And, and maybe I will feel different about, you know, when, when so many people in my life, you know, do, you know, you do see, you, I, I've been pretty fortunate. I know that in, in many ways. And, you know, I guess when you do experience so much loss in your life, you might... Start yeah. to think. I've been lucky in that regard too. I haven't lost a whole lot of people. Yeah, it's, I mean, but you know, we we definitely we will. Uh, we we don't take that for granted. Yeah, in, of course. In any ways, but so this book and in, in, in the conversation that takes place between Campbell and uh, Moyer, it discusses nature a great deal and and humans' connection or disconnect from it. And I want to get into that. Some was that something that it sounded like that was something of course, that impacted yeah, you yeah. what they were talking about. Absolutely. Um, I'm worried, but but just when he talked about um, with he talked about losing people, but he said I, I don't feel like I've lost them. It doesn't feel like they're dead to him; like they're still oh, there. Okay. <clears throat> and and my best friends and you, I feel the same way. When I don't see you for a couple months, I don't feel like you're not there. Yeah. Um, the fact that I'm going to see you again is an amazing part of it all. But you know, when you see your best friends, you never feel like feel like you weren't together. Absolutely. It's not awkward. It's like they were never gone. You don't miss a beat. Exactly. exactly. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No, of course. Um, the first encounter with nature in the book was the, the, the story of that little boy. And, and he I think he brings home a book and, and, and the father ends up, ends up killing the bird. Oh, yeah. And, and with the bird he killed, the song of the bird is killed. And, and then Campbell goes on to say, you know, it, it, you know, by killing the song, he's kind of killing himself. It's the idea that when human beings destroy the environment and when they destroy this world, they destroy nature and the revelations in nature and their own nature too. They, they kill the song. 
Yeah. That was that 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 that, that uh, metaphor, the saw, killing saw. Yeah, I thought about that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, our relationship with nature, and you know, even when I'll see there's a massive amounts of trees being torn down, it's like the trees are screaming. It just, yeah. it does feel like a massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the way that we've disrupted, you know, and, and maybe that's why earth is so big. Um, because I, you know, cause, cause we need a lot of room to mess up. I, I don't know. I, yeah. sometimes I try to think like, are we messing up? Could we be messing up this bad here in Northeast America mm-hmm. where we've just got cement on top of everything? Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't look at Manhattan as a mistake, um, it might look like a like Joe Rogan might say like like L A looks like cancer from the sky. It's like <laughs> looks like the Earth has cancer down at, in that spot. Um, I've never heard that. Yeah, that's like one of his old you know the Earth being an organism you know and that's where the organism's sick you yeah. know just if you imagine the smog and the disgust uh-huh. Uh-huh. how bad it would look from space yeah. versus like totally it's like a the bruise. desert that was it there for like the hour beforehand from above yeah yeah um, so you know I I've been trying to come to grips with that like are we making a mistake you know as a as a population but then there's other parts of the world where they're in a deep home yeah. right now yeah. and uh, you know maybe i don't know these are tough, no, tough it's, thoughts it's, that i that i that i try to wrestle with but well, but i know for me getting more involved in nature this whole deeper spiritual journey for me started just over 3 years ago and before my daughter was born yeah. margo um but it, it, it did start um, with getting up early, which I've talked about on pretty much every podcast. Yeah. But that's when I would start to see the sunrise, and I'd be alone. And and I, and seeing the sunrise when I'm by myself, I used to think that there was like a giant beyond the horizon, like blowing a kiss up into the sky. Uh-huh. Um, and if I was deep in a cave for you know a year, maybe I would inscribe it on the wall somehow. Yeah. And and when we talk about the stories behind our myths and how we arrived at that, yeah. Um, see, so yeah, my connection to nature is everything i'm out of the city now i don't know if, i mean i might buy a condo in a city one day or yeah. something i don't know but i can't imagine yeah, retreating there's reasons for the city i mean, yeah, I mean if necessity compelled me to be there yeah. i'd move back and, and my my 20s you know were all about it you know that mm-hmm. the city life is you know where it's at yeah so. uh, well again yeah, i mean but, also you know there's ways that the city life can be environmentally friendly in ways that this is where we're living in here and preserving yeah. places elsewhere. And if we find a way to live in harmony here and, and, and environmentally sound, there's, I mean, cities do a lot of things right too. They, and I'm not, and, and I don't want to take anything away. Like I'm in love with cities. Yeah. It's like the cities are the magnets that have pulled me around this country. Yeah, totally. You know, it yeah, wasn't, they're, they're hubs of activity that, that, that could, you know, bring people together and do, yep. do a lot of great things. But I love hearing that you had a, you know, the, you, have a connection and just believe in the connection of people because there's you know they they talk about he talks about the myths and and that that do act as a disconnect and i guess in genesis is you know it's just in in in, i think immediately in genesis it's discussed that we are masters of the world and it's a rejection of nature as divinity and that god is separate from nature but he also he kind of strikes back at this thought um you know through through a lot of his learnings and, you know, a lot of Native American, excuse me, myths that, um, that, that, that kind of view us as coming out of the myth of rather than having, 
having been thrown from somewhere else and that we are the earth is that that's something that really strikes me we are the, it moves on to like the Gaia principles brought up and like we are all a part of this yeah we I have somewhere on this sheet um and I probably wrote down 20 things here, but we are the universe observing itself. Yeah. Well, that, let, me, let, me, let me jump there because he said that, we, that, that we, we are the consciousness of the earth, the eyes of the earth. Obviously, I, I can't We are the eyes of the, the world. Eyes of the world. Of course, that yeah. Brilliantly written Robert Hunt, Hunter lyrics from The Grateful Dead. And, and, and the, he said the voice, voice of the earth. And, oh, did you see in the, um, you see in the foreword that um, uh, uh, Mickey Hart was it? Played drums at his um, at Campbell's, yes, at Campbell's I did. Uh, memorial service. Yeah, How yeah. Cool is that? yeah, that's so awesome. I love, I love the connection there. I mean, you got to give this guy such props for the day and age that he was talking about this not yeah. being like a, a hippie in patchwork pants. I mean, this guy was in a it was, suit, it was you know, like, professing. He was talking about it in an intellectual way. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was on that level right there with, you know, but a shaman. We, we mentioned it earlier. Yes, he, he was, absolutely. Uh, mentioned it earlier just the planetary view he, he spoke of the guy principle he talked about in the planet as an organism and he talked about the future of myth and, and he doesn't know where the future of myths are going and you know who, who, who can really say um, and the future of myths will probably probably provide you know parallel a lot of the stories if, 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 if you learned anything from this book but he believed that the future of myth would not be talking about the city or the town or certain people's but of the planet, he kept emphasizing this of, of the planet. Just this is just this this view from above where we see this as one country. And I talk about it a lot. And uh, I just I look at these maps and I, I, they're all imaginary lines. Yeah. And I fucking fuck the imaginary lines. This is we. I, I just wish it wasn't us versus anyone, us versus them. And it's just we looked at it as a world community. He saw it going that way, and he says that if you were standing on the moon. Uh, there wouldn't be divisions. We'd see, we'd see one, and we see one. Does that, does that give you hope? Um, it, it melts my heart. It does. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, because I, I mean, we all are walking around with the same bodies, you know, doing the same things. And he talks about that in the book. And and in our last podcast, we talked about um, Alan Watts's piece, um, the real you. I love that. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And but in that in that, that he was like doesn't like the last sentence of that little piece on YouTube, um, Alan Watts, the real you, he said, Isn't it amazing that we're all here doing this thing and we know exactly what to do? I mean, your body knows what it's doing. You don't have to think about how to operate your thyroid gland. You don't have to think about shining the sun. And when he first said that, well, I don't have to think about shining the sun and the sun shining no matter what, but yeah. My eyes make the sun shine for me. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it's what, it, what does he say a lot in there? My my eyes are um, oh. the scout of my soul. I, when he talks about yes, love, yes. the scout of my heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he's it, a romantic. Yeah, he it, is. It shines yeah. Through. He doesn't, it yeah, it does. I loved. Um, uh, I wrote that. His, his intro was to his wife Judith. Uh, uh, there it is. To Judith, who has long heard the music. I don't know why I can remember that. Who's long heard the music. I love that. The long yeah. heard the music. Long been in the know. It's something you have long heard the music. George. Yeah, I think you have too. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's, it's the song. It's just, it's always there. It's a dance. It's a dance. It's a, also, that intro was so good. It ends with the uh, that story of, of that 
one group, uh, I don't know which group is, maybe, maybe uh, I think it was Japanese actually. But oh, well, talking, I know what you're talking about. They were about. dancing, and he's, and, and, and he's like, it, it, someone asked them, like, what's your, you know, ideology, what's your theology, what's, what is this? And he's like, I don't know, we, we just dance. Exactly. We dance, yeah. we dance, this is, this is awesome. Stop I, trying to wrap your head around yeah. it and just dance. And, you know, maybe that's why fish shows felt like such a great thing. Like, yeah. I would have never thought I'd be dancing, even to say it now, you know, but I love awesome, dancing George. at the shows. Yeah, it's, a, totally. it's everything. I dance with my kids. I dance all the time. I dance except when I'm working and sometimes Absolutely. at work. Movement, movement's everything. But, I mean, Campbell definitely, as, as hopeful as that is, he, he saw a lot of concerns and this definitely ties into what we talked about last time with, uh, with um, Sebastian Younger's book, A Tribe, and he, he worries about the lack of rituals that the lack of uh, that we have in society now, we still have myths. We have a lot of myths in somewhere. Up, I I don't. I kept getting confused between uh, fables and myths because I think some of the things I, I see as modern day myths are fables, which are stories for entertainment. Um, but he believed that the, the the lack of rituals kind of are you know keeping us from being members of tribe or community, or are are they're they're not. They're, there's there's it's tougher to find means for spiritual enlightenment. And yeah. they did. They kind of kept coming back. Uh, they didn't dive too deep into it, but they would t- keep touching back on it to how the youth is, is using drugs to, to find a means for spiritual enlightenment. That's something I, I'm sure we both can understand. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when you talk about <clears throat> you know, I don't think that Campbell, he wasn't, he didn't seem like he was an advocate for psychedelics. I was going to ask you, to interrupt you, but I was going to ask you, did you feel like when you were reading those parts, I could not tell if he was advocating or, 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 you know, kind of shitting on it. Like I didn't know. I don't think it, I, I think it's fine with him. Like he, he didn't have, a, he doesn't have a problem with, uh, you know, a native American, yeah. you know, smoking peyote. Um, how could he? How cool was it the ritual of them actually getting the peyote? Oh, that was the like a hunt was, for the peyote. Was, they were hunting yeah. like an animal. And, yeah. and, just the, and how, many, how much did that happen to hunt for, you know, um, Zarenzas or yeah. different types of mushrooms sure. or um, ayahuasca in the jungle to bring plants together? But, yeah, because um, he was talking about the difference between the mystical experience and the psychological crack-up. So I didn't know if he was saying that, that you know, take... But one thing that he was was what was surely saying when it came to drugs is he really believed in a preparation process that like yeah. really getting yourself to understand as, as if you're going to be using drugs as a way in to understand to take it seriously and to prepare and 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 I really appreciate this high minded approach to uh, to 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 see the drug as as a tool to enlightenment and taking it very seriously. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, Jack Cornfield is like you know an old renowned Buddhist teacher, um, he talks about how you can reach these heightened levels of consciousness on like LSD and psilocybin, um, but how there's also thousands of ways you can get to those places through breathing exercises and different experiences. Yeah, it's just one of the tools in Um, the tool bag. It's not the... Yeah, so I I don't think he touched on it because he didn't have to. He was wrapped in the moment of his discussion with Bill Moyers and and his answers and the myth behind it. Like I said, he seems to exist on that level. Yeah. He's he's radiating that energy because he's feeling it, you know, on that level where in today's world, we're so distracted and removed from the power of myth that... 
I agree. It takes a lot. Of, it, you there should definitely be major preparation before you get into you know a psychedelic, or, sure. <clears throat> um, and and that it's also very ceremonious. And that, that, I think that's the preparation you know, to take it to, to take yeah. make make it put yourself in a consequentially free environment, sure. which a fish show is for us. But we also have our own rules. Like I don't want to be surrounded by anybody that's talking. I know my <laughs> boys. Like if anything, they'll ask me for a lighter, and yeah. I can I can deal with that. <laughs> At any point during the show, but um, otherwise, don't talk to me about you know yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if you whisper in my ears, here. but yeah, I mean, any, uh, anyone listening out there, if you find <laughs> find George Gaddadi in there, say what's up. But that's about it uh, at a fish show. No, but he, it's just he he seemed distraught that religion has changed so much that he felt that people were were turning to drugs and in, in, in different means because religion. And the ceremonies, uh, the, the rituals that, that religion is providing in this day and age were not, they, you know, they might be doing community, bringing together people together and, and helping forge community and everything, but they're not moving anyone towards any spiritual enlightenment. And he's like, he, he, and Moise was like, well, is that what you think religion should be? The, you know, a means to spiritual enlightenment. And, he's, and, and, and ideally, absolutely. Yeah. But he's like, it's, that is not happening and, no, and just it's it's it's. Yeah, when you talk anything. about like the the lack of rituals on, <clears throat> like I, I I'm starting to think about it more because my boy, my son, is eight years old now, um, and just uh, you know, without getting into the details of my family, there's some certain things. A perfect example: he had a basketball game practice earlier this week. Last practice tomorrow is his last game. How's he doing? How's the job? He's doing well. He we're, we finally have a home now with a basketball hoop, cool. so him and I'll I really be down getting and down. Come down show him a yeah. Times. So and I, and I'll teach him. But like, he went up for a rebound and the ball hit you know hit him right in the face and he ran off the side of the court and was crying. But yeah. then he stopped crying. I'm like, dude, you got to get back out there, man. And I couldn't get him back out there, mm-hmm. you know. And and oh, I was really? and I was like, Liam, dude, you know, you go get your basketball. Run across the. And then I was realized I was being a jerk, and I was like, okay. So I ran across the court and got his basketball and took him home, um, because that's probably the opposite of what my dad would have done. Oh yeah, he would have pushed me back out there. He would have, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He would have not even been at the practice totally. to take me home. He, yeah. You know, it would just been me out there alone waiting to be picked up. I, you know, I um, hear that so much about fathers back in the day. And I, you know, I see it sometimes these days. I don't understand on any level why you wouldn't want to be a part of the experience of, of, of raising your child and getting to know, you know, getting to know yourself through fatherhood and being involved. I don't even comprehend how it's like fuck that I had this kid I don't care how could I don't understand not caring what you I don't think that create. we could understand being children of Great Depression babies sure so that makes sense. my grandparents were Great Depression babies but I mean there's still people uh, yeah I mean, a person has a child and creates and sees this thing and this this thing obviously needs guidance I, I know what you're saying well I was one of six kids too you okay, know yeah. <laughs> I was the fifth I was glad to go yeah. under the radar and unnoticed and. In the end, I I didn't really mind them forgetting about me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's why I ended up on fish tour yeah, and being yeah. allowed to hit whole tours. Yeah, that um, was I was a middle child, third child of four, and um, there there was some comfort in kind of sliding through at some points, and you know. But at what point do I tell my son and and almost take him through a ritual that when I say go to bed, you go to bed and you stay in your room all night. When I say get back out there and continue the fight on the basketball, get back out there. You know, when does he cross over into his next level of manship? It, it, it's not going to be boyhood, adulthood, um, 
Um, but it, it's not going to be getting through a sacrament like the Eucharist or confirmation. That's not going to transform him. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I just memorized a bunch of answers to get through and hoped I got a lot of money from my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what those events were for me. Totally. You know, they were tortured during the actual ritual. But there's, I guess there, you know, he does talk a lot about it. This is where it's, it's amazing. I love that you chose this. It kind of just kind of pushes our path, our discussion forward each time because it does go back to tribe in so many ways. He talks about how these rituals, a lot, yeah. rituals kind of, you know, even the ones you're talking about, they allow you to become a man. They come grow. Like even he talks about it at times how boys wear shorts and at a certain point you wear pants. That's that's a transformation. Or like in Native American cultures, you go out for the hunt at sometimes. There's always something that transitions you to the next. And if you don't have that, you know, there, there's a loss in in you know, you don't, in growth, there, there's, you know, you're not becoming one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, you're existing on this steady plane, which Well, and you talk about the, the emphasis with boys, like I've got this boy, I, he could be a boy his whole life, yeah. but my daughter will become a woman. Ah. It's the natural process. Yeah. She's going to menstruate and become a woman and be able to carry a baby. Yeah. There's no thing for boys that where you say okay now i'm a celebrated yeah. man um, and so that's what these rituals were the these rites of passage I love that, um, <clears throat> uh, in the hero's journey he's always talking about heroes and we're going to begin into the hero's journey a little bit more here but uh he does talk about um mothers as heroes oh yeah it, of it, course. There's, there's there's like a strong feminist uh the stance that i that i totally appreciated that when he was talking about that and i was uh, it was really cool to see because he's like kind of saying that in that day and age the credit was just given to the, the, the father who goes out and he earns and that's heroic in some ways and he's like not so fast. Yeah, not for the, for the majority of history it was the woman, you know, the hero will sacrifice his life to save another. Um, but in the, when he, and he's talking about the hero's journey, but for a woman in the giving of birth is a very heroic act yeah. to bring life, selfless to put yourself too. in this position, yeah. literally, and it's so selfless to deliver a, a life into this world. Yep, it's selfless before and after because you have to take care of it. And the hero's journey does involve being being selfless for, for, for a greater cause. But and I've watched, you know, just my my wife be a mother to our kids and have a tolerance that I don't have for, and she knows she has the tolerance that I don't have for a lot of these things, yeah. but she's surrendered to that flow and that, you know, role of mom. Yeah. And she's going to be taking care of these little kids for a long time. You but, both have different, different, uh, things uh, for lack of a better word that you can give. That yes. You can, that can, yeah. that can help. Um, before we're going to round the corner into the kind of the home stretch and the hero's journey and everything. But, uh, I just wanted to mention how cool is that dollar bill talk? The breakdown of the yeah. the, the sim- symbols behind you know within the dollar bill and um, and it just it's, let me let me see I, I have this there was there was one thing in because uh, I mean the, the the deal that that blew my mind is the idea that um, it's one nation under God but what he breaks down in in they talk about the great seal a whole lot. Was that God wasn't just wasn't referring to like a Lord above? Or I didn't realize that either. The God was reason. He's like this. He's like the democracy was built uh, on reason. This is what he writes: is this is the first nation in the world that was ever established on the basis of reason, and instead of simply warfare, 
Uh, these were enlightened century deists, these gentlemen. Uh, over here we read in God we trust, but that is not the God of the Bible. These guys did not believe in the fall. They did not think the mind of man was cut off from God, that the mind of man cleansed of secondary and merely temporal, temporal concerns, beholds with radiance of a cleansed mirror of reflection of the rational mind of God. Reason puts you in touch with God. This whole thing was founded under yeah. reason. Now that was one of my favorite paragraphs of the entire book. Right. Even going back to our first podcast talking about the Fed, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about how, you know, uh, Jackson um, and some of the early, you know, founding fathers... Um, opposed fiat money, which is funny because the seal is on the fiat money. Yes, yeah, um, it is. But it's also on coins too. Mm-hmm. But um, in that, when we read The Creature from Jekyll Island, we were, you and I were talking about how heady those founding fathers yeah, were. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't trying to come up with a system. They were trying to implement a path to prosperity for everyone under one God, yeah. like you said. So, yeah, I... He, he, for Joseph Campbell to call those guys out as being, you know, deities and that amazing, and we thought the same thing. I mean, it's, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's just, he's all men are capable of reason. This is the fundamental principle of democracy because everybody's mind is capable of true knowledge. You don't have to have a special authority or a special revelation telling you that this is the way things should be. That, that's like yeah. true equality. That we, That's just... That's so heady. So heady. Yeah. So you know what? A lot of people who I think um, stand behind, uh, you know, shout from the sky uh, uh, about, you know, the declaration and, and just, you know, the, what the founding fathers want. I think they need to really revisit the truth because it's 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 it's, it's not it's, obvious. It it, yeah. And it's just it's being used to divide instead of instead of, uh, you know, the equality that that I believe from all this reading and all this, you know, kind of enlightening um, text that I come across, is it's it's about equality, and it's that's that's incredibly it's incredibly hopeful. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it it is that everybody has an opportunity to prosper. Yeah. As opposed to right now, it's very difficult for certain people certain to prosper people, and break through. We're not starting economically. Yeah, yeah, we're not. People are not, people are not starting from the same. Uh, not working on the same. Yeah, some life. people are starting on third base. Yes. Some people are in the dugout some still. It's just, we're born to a home run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, just, but it's yeah, it's 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 eye opening, and I you know I hope I hope that people out here do uh, read this book and come away with some of these takeaways, and 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 I just think that uh, when you know reading is so important. There's I mean it's these myths that he's talking about, he was enlightened by all these myths and because you get to experience different stories and like I talked about earlier how reading other people's myths is so helpful and he thought it was so integral and you know, I always think that that if people were reading more books they'd, they'd understand other people's experiences more, have more empathy and, and, and stop being so fucking divisive and, and I'm sorry, I get a little worked up. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm reading, with you. Reading, reading, like just reading. Yeah. More, the more you know, man. <laughs> yeah. And if you find something that makes you feel good, one of the things Campbell's saying, you know, you find somebody, then run with it and just yeah. read what they were reading and learn what they learned. Like when I first started getting in Duncan Trussell, I, I was so into what he was talking about. I started reading everything he said he was reading. Yeah. I started listening to the people Holy he was listening to that's, until that's I almost sucks. felt like I exhausted it. And, you know, I mean, I'm not off Duncan. I'm just, I've been off. 
I've been out of sorts just because I've been in this move for so long. Yeah, but, um, totally. But yeah, no, I mean, I got into Duncan, and he's he could be part of the reason I'm here today. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. But. No, I, I, he's he's led me to certain certain texts, and I mean, so yeah, it's. It's I mean, these are the, the the maps. You know, he talks about you know these old writings. These are the maps. Like when I think about myths now, it's kind of like the maps to our existence. Yeah. Like the that's and I think that's what Campbell's getting at a yeah. lot. He's like he's like you are looking at the story of us, the story of yeah. the story of humans, the story of all of us, and you know it's it's it is these all these stories are are you know kind of come back to this hero's arc that he he just you know he has a book what was his book about it um oh it's entitled a hero with a thousand yep. faces so he 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 digs into this hero's journey a lot and you know we see it so often even in today's you could go i mean star wars was a big example of the hero's journey not just not just luke's journey but i mean han solo's journey everyone they they break it down in the book and everything but uh you know, the hero's journey is a quest. It, it states it starts and ends uh, in an ordinary world, but that quest journeys through you know some really incredible places. I guess the stages are status quo into the call to adventure, uh, into you know the assistance. I guess like a somewhat wiser, like some you know a mentor. You know, come on. Then there's the departure where you set off on your quest, and then there's the trials where you you know you're tested and. Um, the approach is what it's called next. It's 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 where the the hero faces his his worst fear, and that's that, that leads into the crisis, and that leads to the treasure, and that's the treasure doesn't necessarily mean anything materialistic by any means, and then the result result you know kind of what they get out of it, the return, the new life, the resolution, and then back into the status quo. But that's not the same status quo. It's this status quo is an enlightened status quo you're, you're living on a different plane you have things to give back yep. uh, things it's it's a whole circle a donut if you will it's, it's, yeah it's, 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 <laughs> and anything uh anything strike you about that journey that's i mean that that's it's so cool and you can i mean you even described one of your you know kind of tr- psychedelic experiences as as something much like this hero's journey well i mean yeah going out i mean <clears throat> i don't know why getting scared is a part of it getting desperate's a part of it but when you think you're gonna die um, and then when you realize you can't stop yourself from thinking that you're about to die, eventually you have to surrender to the flow of your mind um, and just the direction that <clears throat> that you're going. And, and, and that could be because I spent 40 nights in the desert and by the third night I'm freaking out and losing my mind for two weeks until I, until I find peace and, and learn my place in the world and, and, and bring that experience back. I do have something to teach the group. I'm on a higher level than the group only because I've had that experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even going back to tribe, the, you know, when we talk about in the tribe, the men, you know, real and women, really anyone, you didn't just become a leader. You became a leader because you of your experience, the time out on the hunt, you yeah. know, winning the war sure. um, and those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to go out there and face your biggest fears, you know, Aubrey Marcus, you know, talks about it all the time. Not, <clears throat> he, he, well, I have a lot of respect for Aubrey. I won't even get into it, but yeah, me, yeah, me too. But yeah, me he, too. Um, you know, he talks about facing those fears. Terrence McKenna talks about facing those fears. The whole thing is that there's really nothing to be scared of. Yeah. That's when you realize this is all just a magical experience. And so. even not on like a bigger sense. There's, I mean, Campbell talks about it. Um, and I find inspiration in this arc on a kind of a smaller level because he's 
to me, you could even just look at it as taking yourself out of your comfort zone and just, Definitely. you know, trying new things and, 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 and just the smaller, you know, look at it in the smaller way. It's just, it just, just stop being scared. And as, as he, as, as he puts it, I, I think it was put yourself in situations that will evoke your higher nature rather than your lower and just taking chances. And that's, that's inspiring to me. And that's, you know, it's part of the hero's arc in, in every day's life, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're not going to grow if you, if you, if you, if you don't take yourself out of your comfort zone. And yeah. that's something I was getting out of it. Like there were a lot of kids that I knew, not my friends. What made my friends unique and you, people like you um, is that we weren't going to let anyone, any one of our friends hang out in their comfort zone for very long. So yeah. our friends were always pushing each other. We're going to move across the country. We're going to do this yeah. all summer. Then we're, we're going to move into the city. And if I didn't meet my group of friends, like I think I might be in like, I don't know. I, feel like, I don't know how, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. That's not what happened. But I, get, I remember when I first moved to Philly, you know, I was a bartender and a waiter at night. And then so during the day, I, you know, me and Carl were living in a loft. Carl called this. Yeah. And, uh, like, I would walk around the city during the day just wondering, like, I'm like, I, for a long time, I didn't even know there was a train two blocks away to Center City, and I was walking a mile and a half to Center City every day. You know, you, you've got to learn a little bit, and then it makes you more of a resourceful person. Sure. Then when the next person comes to the city and looks lost, you just point them to the, the L and tell them that's how you get up to 15th Absolutely. Street. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you have to get out of your comfort zone to learn anything about yourself. And I, I see a lot of people that I know haven't gotten outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe this is, yeah. you know, not, it, I mean, it doesn't bother me that they're not, I just can't, absolutely. I wouldn't be able to do it's, it myself. Exactly. And yeah, I like what you just said about kind of, I guess it's about being around, you know, people that inspire you too. Like you were just saying how you're kind of getting pushing and stuff. It's something I've always loved to be surrounded by people who really get after it in certain ways and just, you know, that, that pushes you, that compels you. It's, it's inspiring it to be around yeah. people. And, yeah, they can do that. I can do that. They're like, it's just, you know, it, it, it kind of takes that waking up to seeing someone else kind of, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I, no, when I, when I was thinking about moving to LA and not, Pierce was the one who was like, dude, just do it. Yeah. Just move. Yeah. There's no way I can't just yeah. move, dude. And then I come I, up with all I the do excuses. Hear people, I, I'm, I'm that uh, just move guy now too. So many people are like, yeah, I want to move. To, uh, go, just yeah. go. I mean, I know there are limiting, you know, factors. There's the financial stuff, but at the same time, but are you there? can chip that away because you yes. can sell a lot of what you have. There's yes. usually a security deposit that you're not thinking about. Yeah, you know that can come in and uh, be like a couple grand definitely. in there that you always forget about. You're, oh my god, I got that too. So. Um, yeah, well, just, go, just go. Just believe in yourself yeah. and, and try to take a shot in the dark. Uh, follow your bliss, if you will. Follow your bliss. George Campbell's a huge. Yes. They, they had a huge section on this book. He's a huge follow your bliss guy. And we haven't even gotten to that section yet. I could talk a whole that's hour what, about let, just let's go. I mean, we're kind of <clears throat> yeah. winding down yeah. here, but like, follow, no, but, the follow but, your bliss thing is. I didn't realize. I you know it just this compels me to read more of his work and and just but like. He like he's one of the when I looked up I actually just googled Follow Your Bliss after we got this everything comes up Joseph Campbell he is like one of the main people yeah. out there who's been championing this idea from like we were saying he's like suit and tie guy back in the day and he was he was just he was talking about the benefits of that on a very pragmatic way yeah a pragmatic yeah. level I you know uh, my current job doesn't bring me bliss and like I like I. 
I'm good at it. It's flexible if, as, as I need it to be. You know, deciding to move the podcast from yesterday to today doesn't yeah. disrupt anything. I moved meetings around because nobody's going to tell me I fucking can't. We mean you needed to finish the last chapter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. We needed to finish the, the last chapter. I'm like, these, every one of these is a doozy. Yeah. I need another day. Well, there's a lot to chew on in this book. And I kept stopping and thinking and... I mean, well, that's what you want to do. Absolutely. You really think about it to that's bring something to the why, podcast. That's why we're choosing these these books because I mean we're trying to kind of challenge ourselves in a way and, and yeah and make us think in different ways. And you know, I think I think we did give a nice taste of of the countless nuggets of insight that are in this book. And I, I I'd like to say again, I urge anyone who's listening to not take it as we synops you know give a synopsis of this book in any means. This is. This is this is surface level. We are looking at the ocean. There's so much underneath, and I could not uh, suggest reading this book more. I'm like I'm, I'm giving this book to. So I know I'm seeing somebody on Sunday who's about to travel, and I'm like, you're reading this on. You should read this on the plane on your journey. But um, I, I want to ask you kind of uh, as we wind down. Is like, is there any? This is a wild question, but maybe it's a little okay. unfair. Is there any? Uh, what 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 is kind of like the takeaway for you? Is there anything you're walking away from? Uh, from this book that kind of jumps to the, to, to the forefront of your mind? Following my bliss. Yeah. And and so, like, just because, you know, he talks about, in, in that chapter of the book, Following Your Bliss, he's, you know when you're off center. Yeah. You know, doing what I'm doing for a living, I'm not centered. It's not centered with really who I am or what I want to do. That's a huge thing for me to say. I work for, a, I mean, I'm an owner in my company, and I don't want to, it's not my bliss. It's it's a, it's something I do to fund my life, and that is it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't yeah, ha- I don't have these meetings that you. blow my mind yeah. at all. Definitely. Um, but like <clears throat> when I was, um, so I just moved into my new house. Finally, it's like yeah, I'm in the middle of the renovation, but enough to be in there. Yeah. I lived with my brother, John, his wife, their three kids. My wife and my two kids in a townhome. So I, we lived in the basement. I lived on a beanbag. I slept on the beanbag yeah. for two months. Yeah. Um, that's a lot with a family. It, it, it is. A, and by in yourself, townhouse, that's nothing. That's just living. Oh, yeah. If, I mean, if it was just me, yeah, I mean, nothing. you know, it, yeah, no problem. Family, yeah. you Got a whole family yeah. and, you know, a marriage. Yeah. But um, so I had to live with him. But, oh, so every day, I, this is also a brother that I work with. Like, all right, you know, dinner's a big deal for both of our families and for us. You know, dinner is like that moment of the day. When I'm finished working and I'm going to eat, it's it's a big deal for me. So anyway, him and I would cook every night and we'd talk about it at work. Like, what are we going to do tonight? All right, well, you leave like 15 minutes early and get these things going. I'm going to run to the store and get these. But him and I loved cooking together. And I knew he loved it too. And we never got sick of each other. This is my brother and me. You know, if it were another one of my siblings, I doubt I could have lasted eight weeks. Yeah. And if they listen to it, they don't care. They know the way me and my brother John jive. Um, and lately, I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, we should be opening up a restaurant, Gadotti's like Foodery. That could, that could be and, something that came of what this experience you had with him. Oh, well, it did. Okay. You know, because cooking, we were right next to yeah. each other. No, and when I'm saying, cooking and somebody's I mean, in the kitchen that, with me. Are you going that way? Is this something you I keep pursue? I keep bringing it up. Just with them. move. I am, you're saying I, just well, move. No, I know. Just do it. Yeah, I know. I, even when after I said that and I was going in this direction, I'm like, ah, the just move thing. I yeah, just said totally. it. I, I do just need to do it. And I keep telling my brother, I'm like, 
we could sell the companies and start, totally. you know, but you know, but could we also keep the companies and start? It's it, a which risk. Is his brand There's definitely a risk, yeah, especially with young risking, children. Well, yeah, he has young children yeah. too. But it's also. But you I can always do it know how to go out. I've never not known how to go out and make enough money to pay rent yes. and yeah. feed everybody. Yeah. Like I, I know I've got that down. I'll never yeah. let that slip. Um, but to have fun and be cooking, and you mm-hmm. know, and it's not just cooking because we were having a goof. Goofy time drinking beers, cooking like we really get into it. Yeah. We look at it as a craft. Yeah, yeah. we're trying art, to impress art, everybody at the too, table. Yeah. And then what I would incorporate that into a lifestyle and a recreational event that I'd share with guests and yeah. come into my restaurant or my foodery yeah. or whatever. You, you can create an be. experience for somebody. It's yeah, and it would be and, so and, cool. and for myself. Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. just love life. And it, if I'm doing what I love, I'm not going to hate Monday. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be gung ho. Totally. You know, okay. Well, I, I think, probably I think you should also yeah. think about that. Take yourself out of that comfort uh, zone thing that we were speaking of. And, and my job right now isn't even that comfortable. I, I mean, it's a stressful, complex yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not. Yeah, you might you might be alleviating some of the you know, bullshit uh, yeah, by, by uh, finding yeah. something so, else. But. So did I take – that's my biggest takeaway yeah. from the book is I'm like, you know, this experience that we're here, we're so lucky. It's so rare, you yeah. know. I got it. It's magical to be alive and here today on this podcast with you. So thank you as always. For me, I thought, I just think it just, the entire time I was just marveling over the power of stories. And that's something I could relate to uh, across the margin of the website and why I love telling stories and talking about stories, uh, you know, all the time. It just, I just think there's such power, such insight. And um, I just, it's, I've been blown away by it for for decades now, uh, walking around this rock hurling through space, it just it just there's so much power and um and, and you know storytelling storytelling and to Campbell uh, as Moyers aptly puts it, mythology was the song of the universe, the music of the spheres, music we dance we dance to even when we we cannot name the tune. So it's it's he was uh, enamored as well in every way. So, yeah, uh, George. Thank you for suggest- suggesting uh, this deep dive into this brilliant work and, and for being here today. It's always a pleasure, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm lucky to be here. Awesome. You'll be back. We have something planned for uh, uh, this summer, so we'll, 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 we, already, we already know exactly what we're doing, but I'm, I'm going to you know, not, not spoil, spoil that right now. But uh, thank you, everyone out there, for, uh, for spending some time with us and taking another journey with us beyond the margin. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Across the margin. Across the margin. Podcast.